This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make wind turbine lightning protection easy. If you're a wind farm operator, stop settling for damaged turbine blades and constant downtime. Get your uptime back with our strike tape lightning protection system. Learn more in today's show notes or visit weatherguardwind.com slash strike tape. Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall. I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. Welcome back to the Uptime Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Blewett. No Alan Hall on the show today, but we've got a great guest. Lasse Hietico from Weiss Tech is here, and he's going to talk to us about blade heating technology. So obviously, we were looking for someone for the show to talk about you know some of the issues that happened in Texas, right? Obviously, terrible disaster with you know all forms of electrical energy or electricity going out in Texas. Obviously, wind uh, turbines were a part of the problem, right? They iced, they had winterization issues, they froze, and uh, they lost power. So we want to have someone come in who actually has a solution to this. So Lasse is the business development manager for Weiss Tech, and Weiss Tech is a Helsinki, Finland-based company. And what they do is they have blade heating technology. So it's essentially a carbon fiber mat that they lay on the leading edge that has you know resistive heating similar to what's in you know the rear view windshield of your car, um, where they'll kick on when temperatures, um, when you know the sensors on the turbine say, hey, this is an icing condition. Um, you know those will kick on and they'll prevent ice from forming on the basically two thirds of the blade, the most important aerodynamic region. So not the root, but the outer two thirds, almost all the way up to the to the very tip. So it's really interesting. Um, the fact that this is a it's been out there. This is not new technology. Um, and he as he, he, he speaks to that, this is something developed in the 90s um, and they have the IP of this uh, at Weiss Tech. Um, but it just isn't always deployed in all these new sites. So a lot of it's done in the factory. They do a lot of ins- installations in the factory, um, and they're just now getting into, into retrofits, which is obviously going to be of, of significant interest now that we've had this Texas disaster. We've seen the, the damage it can do um, if uh, you know winterization is a problem and you get one of these sort of black swan event kind of uh, winter storms. So, you know, Lasse has a, uh, he's a master's in mechanical engineering um, from what is now Alto University in, in Finland. Um, and, you know, he's an expert on, on this technology, on blade heating, on the economics of it, and whether it's gonna make sense for a, either a new wind site in development, because this probably does need to be part of the discussion going forward, right? Hey, are we gonna have icing issues? And also companies that are having, um, you know, wind turbine issues with icing, with winterization, um, they're getting more and more calls daily now because of obviously people don't want this to happen on their site. So we're really excited to have Lasse here. Um, so without further ado, we're going to jump into our conversation with Lasse Hietiko from Weiss Tech in Finland. So Lasse, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Good to have you. Thank you very much for uh, inviting. It's uh, really nice to be in here. Yeah. So obviously there was a really big incident in Texas here in the U.S. 
And so we're, you know, looking of, you know, who are the experts in this field and, you know, with wind turbine blade icing and de-icing and trying to keep them winterized and keeping them running. I think that's a big, uh, it's a pretty pertinent topic right now here at early 2021. So we'll get to the Texas thing a little bit more mm-hmm. as, as we go. Um, but first, you know, as a, as a, a member of, of Weiss Attack, can you talk a little bit about, you know, why do wind turbines sometimes stop running in the winter? What are some of the issues and, and why does that happen? Why do they stand still? The turbine blades are, of course, when the weather gets cold, uh, the blades get cold and uh, they are hitting the uh, like moisture or small water particles that are on the air or, or in the, on the clouds. And uh, therefore, ice starts to accumulate on the, on the blade surface. Uh, the icing, ice on the blade then uh, destroys the aerodynamics of the blade, and therefore it's not that the wind turbine is not producing any more power. So it it doesn't need to be a lot of ice there uh, that it, it starts to bring the power down. So so we've had an aerodynamics expert um, Nicholas Galdern from Power Curve on the show, and he talked about how you know turbine blade erosion and accumulation of dust and dirt even just a little bit can some like you said ruin the aerodynamics and they mm-hmm. can hit their, their like their stall point and now they just won't turn so it sounds like that's pretty easy to that same problem happens with just even a little ice accumulation is that right yeah it doesn't need need a lot when you already have like minus five fifty percent or even minus seventy percent so it doesn't need much ice yeah, and I think that's the, the that's the really confusing thing for the public here in the U.S. where they think about these wind turbines, like why would they stand still? Like ice isn't that heavy, um, but it's the same thing with a with an airplane, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to de-ice airplane yes, wings yes. because they're just not going to fly at all without it. It's just the aerodynamics are shot. Yeah, because yeah, if there's uh, even a little bit ice on the, on the blades of or on airplanes, it, it's the same same thing that aerodynamics is not working anymore so uh yeah well we have uh, we have had uh, like pictures of uh, wind turbines that have a lot of ice but we have lately decided try to like avoid of using these pictures where there's, uh, there's massive load of ice because uh the small amount does the same yeah yeah, there, there's not needed. Yeah, I've seen some of those pictures where they're just like, t- just tons of it built up, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, but it's yeah, like you said, just a little bit is all that's really needed, and especially out towards the tips. So, can you talk a little bit about the root versus the tips of the blade? I mean, is there a difference in, um, you know, does it matter if there's ice in, near the root, or is it matter most towards the the tip of the blade? Typically in our uh, design, we have the blade heaters uh, in roughly two thirds of a blade length and not at all on the root part of the blade. As uh, the aerodynamical critical areas are the first two thirds of the blade. Okay, so you're not really focusing too much on on the root. Aerodynamical, yeah, so aerodynamical point of view, it, it doesn't matter if there's some ice on the root part. Gotcha. Um, before, so I, I want to hear how your your solution works to keep ice off these blades. But before, before we get there, 
how do, does does the turbine have anything anything to know when there's ice accumulated? Uh, is it just a visual thing, or is it just like it stops uh, because of the aerodynamics, or is there some other way? Are there sensors? I mean, how does that work? Well, many turbines uh, are sensing from the the power curve, like you yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, or uh, there are many kind of uh, sensors on different types of turbines. Uh, they might sense uh, vibration. There are many, many types of sensors in turbines and when they like start to think that there might be ice on the blades and then typically uh, many, like many of the turbines just stop themselves like automatically. Gotcha. They just know when to, to shut it off. Okay. Um, so tell me about Weiss Tech. Yeah. So your, your WIP system, uh, WIPS, what does that do? How does it work? Where do you install it? What's the process like? Can you kind of walk us through it a little bit? Well, our technology is uh, uh, invented already in the 90s, so it's uh, not something really new. So it has been there for uh, over uh, 20 years already. And um, it was uh, originally invented in on a Finnish National Research Institute. But uh, nowadays, uh, our company, WiseTech, is, uh, owns the IPR for the technology and is uh, further developing it today. So this uh, technology has been installed to uh, many different types of turbines on new ones and lately also as a retrofit to the ex- existing turbines. Yeah, and uh, the technology is uh, carbon fiber mat on the leading edge of a wind turbine blade. And it, it works as a like resistive load so it, it heats up when we connect electricity to this carbon fiber. Okay, so you take the carbon fiber mat and you've got to you know lay it all, all along the the leading edge of the blade, and I assume you have you know, like a resin system or something mm-hmm. that you you know epoxy it down, um, and then so it sounds like it works kind mm-hmm. of like the um, you know the the little t- the little screen that they put on windshields like rear windshields in cars to defrost is that sort of a similar is that a, a decent analogy mm, yeah so it uh, it heats up pretty quickly and uh, so uh, when the carbon uh, fiber is it's really close to the surface of the blade so it brings the heat uh, quickly and efficiently just where it is, it is needed and uh, even if it's uh, only on the leading edge, uh, it also keeps the trailing edge pretty much clean of, uh, of the ice. Hmm. How, how is it? Why does it do that? Uh, it, it heats up a little bit, uh, the air that is uh, flowing mm, gotcha. along the, the surface of the blade. And it is, uh, it is uh, also a matter of uh, design and calculation so that we that the size is correct so that it needs to be uh, right size for the for the blade so that the, it keeps the trailing edge as well uh, free of ice gotcha and, and so it doesn't sound like this is like a de-icing solution as much as it is this is just gonna keep ice from ever accumulating is that right yeah we we call our system on the icing system so um we get a signal from uh, ice detector. Uh, typically, we use a uh, Labcotec ice ice detector, and uh, when the icing conditions 
uh, are starting, then the heating is switched on. And that, that happens totally automatically. And the uh, control software takes care of uh, the heating and uh, the overall process so that uh, the heat, heating is on uh, as long as needed. And uh, then it turns off automatically when it's not, not anymore needed. Gotcha. And uh, so, so that the heat before the icing starts or, or before the ice starts to accumulate on the blade surface. Okay. So it sounds like that could be used in a situation like Texas was a good example where it's not really that cold most of the year and maybe, you know, it's, it's not going to need to be on and waste electricity powering the, the, mm. the whip system. But if it does drop cold enough, then it will kick on and keep the blade free from ice. Is that right? Yeah, and, and this uh, this technology prevents uh, like the massive amount of wind turbines uh, shutting down at the same time, mm-hmm. as uh, they are they are the blades are uh, staying uh, free of ice or at least a minimal amount of ice, but but they, op- they still still uh, stay operational. Gotcha. So uh, when when there is. Um, bigger amounts of uh, renewable energy and wind power uh, on a grid. So uh, it becomes more important to, to keep your turbines uh, operating e- even in, in icing conditions. Yeah. So I know we're going to get a little more to the economics of it and, and back to the Texas thing in a little bit. I, I still want to hear a little more about the installation, all that stuff. So you said most of your installations now are on in done in the factory. I know you're you know, like many companies, you've got NDAs, so you mm-hmm. can't disclose lots of details about companies you work with and all that stuff, which is totally fine. Um, but you do a lot of it in the factory, um, but you're now starting to move into retrofits. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So can you tell us a little bit about it? Sounds like the process is a little bit labor intensive, but you're starting to, to, to figure out the retrofit situation or, or trying to streamline that process. Is that right? Uh, yes, uh, we, we did uh, 2016 uh, first retrofit uh, installations uh, at the site Lac Alfred in, in Quebec, Canada. Since that, we have done a total of uh, 28 uh, retrofit installations to the same site. And this summer, we are doing 14 new retrofits uh, to Quebec, Canada, but, but to a different site. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so um, until now we have uh, brought the blades down and then transported to the temporary uh, factory uh, where the, uh, this uh, heating element has been installed to the blade surface. But uh, we are uh, at the moment developing our technology so that we are able to uh, make this installation up tower so that the blades will not not need to be lower lowered down anymore mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a cost saving and it's also a matter of uh, crane works there's a sometimes can be tricky to get uh, the cranes on on the site and uh, needs uh, possibly uh, permissions for cranes and uh, so yeah. we are really really looking forward this uh, up to our development Mm-hmm. It will be uh, enabled for uh, get this technology to, to many different sites. 
in the future. Yeah, because I imagine the really cold sites that you probably can't do work on them until, you know, it warms up in the summer, right? And then when that starts to happen, I assume there's tons of moisture on the ground. The ground's really soft. So that probably makes getting a crane up there pretty, mm. pretty difficult. Yeah, many, many sites that are, are our customers, there is a long winter. And so when the snow is melting away, uh, so it ground stays pretty wet for a long time. Mm -hmm. So as far as, you know, like you mentioned the Lack Alfred wind farm, I mean, you said they're one of the probably the roughest wind farms in the world as far as ice conditions and snow and all that stuff. Um, and there's a lot of wind turbines running in really mm -hmm. rough environments. What, what was unique about Lack Alfred? Why did they um, decide they needed, uh, needed help? Well, uh, they are up in the mountains, the, the, the site, and uh, there is a proximity of uh, Atlantic Ocean. So there is a continuously moisture is uh, rising out the ocean and uh, then the wind wind is blowing up to the mountains and bring the moisture there and with moisture together with the uh, cold weather uh, it just uh, like brings the ice to the wind turbine blades gotcha. and uh, there's like the winter time production losses are pretty big on mm -hmm. that side uh, and we are happy to to help our customer on their on their uh, production so do you feel like there's are there a lot of sites like that one that maybe didn't install blade heaters from you know the factory that you know it seems like maybe that environment would have been a good indication for it because i mean that that seems like a really um, you know like you said a really rough environment for me i'm thinking of like chicago here in the u.s chicago is you know, it's got the, you know, Lake Michigan right there. So there's tons of moisture in the air. There's tons of like mm. sideways rain and sideways snow. And as I know, they're going to start putting no. wind turbines in some of the Great Lakes here in the U.S. And so for me thinking, oh, yeah, that seems like that same kind of environment, very cold, very windy, very wet. Um, are you seeing more and more customers saying, yeah, like this seems like a need. We should definitely install heaters on these blades um, from the beginning. Yeah, we see definitely uh, like increased uh, like a number of uh, inquiries for the technology. And uh, well, the Quebec area is uh, really prone to icing. It's not, not just uh, like Alfred on the area. There's several sites uh, around uh, the, the Quebec. And uh, the uh, like northeast uh, USA, uh, like uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, mm -hmm. Maine, and uh, New York, state of New York. Uh, there are sites where uh, icing is uh, seem to be quite big issue. And uh, in in general, uh, the higher higher you go up to the mountains, uh, the more issues you typically have. Plus, that's going to make it really tough for them to. You know, if they're all the way up in the mountains, they want to probably keep them running. Obviously, well, they're always going to want to keep them running, but they want to keep them running as much as they can with as little downtime as they can. So you think really planning ahead and saying, hey, in the planning process, what are the what 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 things could, you know, cause these to stand still? Like, for example, like we talked about earlier, if you're in, in India where there might be tons of dust and dirt, 
you know, they might need some solution to clean, you know, the mm. blades more often and they need to probably plan and budget for that. So mm. I'd imagine that this would probably be a big budgetary concern early where, hey, if we're going to put them up in this area, like a de-icing system, you know, preventive icing system has got to be um, in the works in that budget. So, that, I mean, that seems like a no-brainer from an economic mm. standpoint. Okay, so if, if I if I own a wind turbine site now, and I'm now worried mm-hmm. because of the Texas incident with the huge power outages and all that stuff, um, a how would I know if I need this? Right? Is this something that you know? Like I know Texas has pretty fair weather, right? They don't get a ton of really cold mm-hmm. storms like they did. This one was an anomaly. Um, so as an owner, you might say, do I need you know the cost of this retrofit? Is this, or do I need the cost of this out of the factory? Um, or am I only going to get a potential ice situation once every 20 years where it's just not going to make economic sense? Um, how do you advise companies as far as when they probably need this and when they don't? And if they're having problems, what does that conversation typically look like? Mm. If it's a new site, then of course, during the development phase, uh, you should, uh, have your ice assessment done mm-hmm. but uh, if it's a existing site then we typically first ask that okay what is your what is your loss uh, what is the n- number of uh, how how much are you losing and uh, some sites know uh, they, they have good idea of the icing losses but uh, some sites do not know what is their yearly icing loss. So, of course, first thing is to uh, like analyze, analyze your uh, how much you are losing, mm-hmm. and uh, what comes to uh, what comes to the icing. It's uh, there's much more bigger variation than in the, for example, in in the yearly winds. The, the the wind wind variation is uh, much more smaller than uh, variation in in icing, or always there is the business case in in, in some point where you need to consider doing uh, something for your issue. Is there and, a tip? Uh, is there a rule of thumb? Like, is it a couple percentage points AEP? Is it one, two, three, four, five percent? What does it typically look like? Where they say, "Hey, we it looks like we're losing uh, X amount." where we think we maybe need this mm. for new sites uh it's two to three percent for from aep when you should consider uh, blade heating gotcha uh for for existing sites uh it is more expensive as to do as a retrofit and uh, then there we, you can't direct say the like uh, what is the percentage there's so many uh, different mm-hmm. like uh, factors are that are affecting uh, but of course if you you start to go over five five percent uh, then I think it starts to be good good to figure out how to how you can solve it it start, yeah. starts to be a lot of money mm-hmm. well so I've heard some you know, depending on the municipality or the part of the world that some companies just seem to overlook, um, 
they just seem to overlook the icing issue. Like they just sort of maybe they have power generation from nuclear. They have a little bit from, you know, hydro and then maybe they have some wind power um, mm-hmm. and maybe they're like, ah, you know, yeah, we have icing issues and our turbines, they stand still, you know, for like a month every year. But yeah, it's not a big deal. When they turn off, we just kind of divert and we get more power from nuclear um, mm-hmm. do, do many site owners have that attitude where, you know, they, they just see it as like a, a thing that happens and they're not overly concerned about it. But I mean, it seems like from my perspective, they should want to have no downtime whatsoever. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the conditions are. I mean, how, where does, where do you stand yeah. on that? Yeah. Well, from the like grid point of view, there's uh, yeah, like you said, we have heard this kind of stories that it okay, it doesn't matter if if the turbines are iced up, as yeah, can always use some other other source available. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what like from the right point of like owner point of view, of course, uh, like any owner should be interested uh, how much they are earning and 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 if during the winter time the the prices are high and uh, the air density is higher so you get uh, like double production in in winter time compared to the summer mm. so it's it's really valuable time to to make uh, make money so uh, you shouldn't like as a wind farm owner you shouldn't lose lose your like valuable time of production during the winter time okay so you get a surge in production uh, anyway because of the air density you're saying typically in in cold areas the winds are higher and and uh, the air density is higher so that that leads to a higher production Mm, gotcha gotcha um and let's talk about the size of turbines obviously they keep getting bigger every year um where you know we've had other guests on from different companies Mm -hmm. where they're saying yeah you know, the fire suppression systems from um, uh, fire trace were a good example where it's like, yeah, you know, for a two megawatt wind turbine five years ago, maybe the cost was a higher percentage um, to get all these different add ons installed. But now when you're talking about a 10, 12, 15 megawatt turbine that these are, you know, 15 million dollar machines, it doesn't even make sense to not install some of the things mm-hmm. that are going to keep them running because they generate so much power and they're so expensive. So um, do you mm-hmm. see the the heated blade technology being more often adopted now that these things are so big and they just do not want them to stop? Well, uh, at least here in uh, Finland, uh, I see that uh, there's uh, many, many projects uh, that will be installed with uh, this surface-based heater and uh, the the potential loss is just so big with the with the new big turbines mm-hmm. that uh, they are not. Or I heard that from one developer that they just uh, were like no like afraid they they couldn't take the risk or to 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 leave it out. Yeah. And uh, when also when the big turbines are more expensive, uh, the relatively like cost of blade heating is is smaller also when the turbines are bigger and 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 they go more often sweep higher and uh on the for example in in the clouds so then it also leads to the situation when when these turbines are more prone uh for icing because uh our blade tip more often hits to the to the clouds when they reach higher 
Huh. And that's, uh, that's really interesting. I, I never thought about that, but to, a, to icing. But so the shorter turbines are kind of staying in slightly warmer air, where there's you know mm. obviously like you said not reaching in the clouds, but when they get to a certain size, that tip is a reaching through colder air and sweeping through clouds where there's more moisture, and it's almost like it's able to reach up and and like yeah. grab and find icing conditions. That's really interesting to think about. Yeah, for example, on on the same same side, if you're uh, like uh, rip off your old small turbine and uh, replace with a big modern turbine, but the old small one maybe did not have any icing issues, but uh, the big one might have, as as it goes so much higher. Yeah. Huh. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. then, and there's another competing. Um, so the, the the surface heating technology that you use is not the only potential solution for icing. Um, what's the the main other competing technology? Um, it's it's forced air, right? And how does that work? And is it I mean, does it have the same effect? Uh, yeah, there's this um, like hot air uh, uh, blowers that uh, typically blow hot air inside uh, the blade, and um, Many uh, turbine manufacturers uh, have this kind of a solution or ha- have had at least earlier available. But uh, now when the turbines are getting bigger, uh, the blades are getting longer, uh, the hot air is uh, not just uh, efficient any- like enough anymore. Uh, because uh, the air air volume is getting so big inside yeah. the blade, and also uh, in, in many areas uh, for where it's, it's extremely cold, uh, the hot air just not uh, is ef- not efficient enough to keep the turbine like like the blades uh, free of ice. Yeah. Plus the, uh, I mean, the materials of a modern blade is made out of, you know, with carbon fiber spar and just like the thickness. And I mean, they're so big and made a car and made a fiberglass. It doesn't seem like, it seems like that would take mm. some really hot air and a lot of it to, to heat something that's that thick and yeah. it's made of a non-conductive material. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was made of metal or something, but the fact that it's non-conductive mm. seems like that heat's going to have a tough time getting to the surface of the blade where it's needed. It works uh, like the plate material itself uh, works as uh, insulation. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the the heat from the blades, even if there is a, a different kind of technologies uh, that is leading the hot air, for example, the leading edge, still uh, to 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 have the heat on the surface of the blade, it's uh, not that uh, like uh, efficient compared to the this surface-based uh, heaters. Some manufacturers uh, are providing a hot air system that is uh, able to work while the turbine is operating, but many of them are uh, de-icing systems. So that uh, typically it works so that uh, when, when there's icing, the turbines are stopped. And while they are stopped, uh, the blades, the hot air is uh, blown inside the blade, and uh, only one blade at once is is uh, like hmm. melted from the ice. So it, it's it it's not it doesn't keep the turbines operating all the time, but you need like de-icing time. Gotcha. So that is uh, that is basically uh, the the big difference uh, 
compared to, to our technology. Mm. So there's more like after they're covered in ice, it can help with shed that, but again, kind of slow one mm-hmm. blade at a time rather than just keeping yeah. it off in the first place. Okay. Um, so let's, let's shift yeah. to Texas here. Cause I know that's a big point of interest. Um, so from your perspective, you know, following the story a little bit, um, what was your, I mean, how did you feel about just the massive power outages there? And it seems like, yeah, and of course in hindsight, right? Everyone's a genius in hindsight. You know, yeah, we should have had these winterized. Well, it's not completely clear whether they should mm-hmm. be winterizing for, a, you know, once or twice in a generation storm. Um, but at the same time, if it has the potential to take your whole grid down or the potential to really mm. um, cost you a lot of money, then maybe it does make maybe it does make sense. But what, what's your perspective on what's happened in, in Texas? Uh, of course, uh, yeah, I find it uh, really uh, like uh, like sad, and uh, so I feel really sorry about the people in in Texas that this yeah. kind of happened. But from uh, the like, uh, if you just talk about from a wind power perspective, until now maybe everybody uh, ha- has had idea that turbines in in Texas don't have don't need like blade heating. But uh, now there was uh, like terrible energy price, like nine thousand US dollars uh, per megawatt hour. Mm -hmm. So in in, for for average turbine, it 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 is just the payback time for blade heating is just like one or two days. And uh, if uh, like if we can avoid uh, this kind of uh, outages. So it uh, it starts to 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 make sense even in in Texas made made me and my, many others start to think that okay it's it's not that bad idea uh, it maybe it could make make sense also there yeah. and uh, in in many many other areas as well. So it sounds like I mean really more just like as an insurance uh, as an insurance policy because again yeah what happened in Texas was tragic it was mm. awful um, and so even if it seems like, yeah, we might not need this, you know, 19 out of 20 years, but that 20th year, like you said, could cost us a ton of money and potentially people's lives, which was awful. And just, I mean, so many people were out of power for multiple days, like mm-hmm. hunker down their homes. Um, yeah, it seems like maybe that insurance policy of having, you know, blade heaters. And I know there's some other winterization things uh, that can happen in the nacelle, like different types of oils and stuff like that um, to help keep them running in mm-hmm. the cold because they do run in the cold right there's wind farms all over the world like you said the the lack yeah. alfred wind farm it runs um and so yeah it, it it's i guess it's what they would call a black swan event and a black swan event is just something that you wouldn't have seen coming and just has the potential to like mm-hmm. t- topple all of your sort of existing systems, right? Like there's been a bunch, uh, mm-hmm. Alan, Alan and I talked about on a, a, you know, a recent podcast that, you know, just like a, a huge tsunami that like wipes out an island, you know, you like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's foreseeable that that could happen being that it's an island, but tsunamis like don't mm-hmm. hit very often. Right. And so there's this amount mm-hmm. of like, how much planning should we do? And, and when does it make financial sense to plan for certain things that are very unlikely, but are very potentially, disastrous and this was clearly a disaster here and mm-hmm. just with the way their grid was set up and the ppas and like you said power shooting up to nine thousand dollars per megawatt hour 
um, like you said, it's the payback time of that becomes very short. If that's the alternative, well, we mm-hmm. put blade heating on and the cost associated with it today versus if this happens and now we're paying $9,000 per megawatt hour for X amount of days, it just like makes financial sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and this this this, uh, this occurred uh, was something like 10 years ago or already. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it has, I, I read that it, it has has happened like uh, once in a ten, 10 years in Texas that it's really cold weather and uh was it 2010 when, yeah, when this like kind of event all, mm-hmm. also also happened and uh i've, I've heard some like stories that uh, even even that time uh, only this event would would have justified uh the blade heating climate change is is reality so what it means that it the the like like normal temperature is is uh not not that normal anymore, but we have like a high temperature and a low temperature, and uh, we have this uh, more often uh, this un unnormal uh, bigger fluctuations weather phenomenons. So who knows if it starts to be like every seventh or every five years when there is really cold weather in in Texas or. It's like uh, like I heard a story of uh, from somewhere in United States that like two gigawatts of wind power went down due to icing event in in 15 minutes or less than 15 minutes and this is just too short time for example for uh, like coal power plants to start up mm-hmm. so uh, if we have would have like uh, at least some of those wind turbines installed with the blade heating then the the effect to the grid would not be that massive and and dramatic yeah like 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 you mentioned it it's more could be also thought as a insurance for mm-hmm. your grid insurance for your energy supply yeah but the problem problem is is to how to like uh, put the price tag for it if the grid doesn't require or that you have to produce certain amount of energy or who who would <clears throat> like uh, who would evaluate it or who's who who should be like uh, responsible for that yeah that is, that are like uh, may i think maybe those are the those are the questions that that will be asked uh, like uh, in in the in the coming weeks or even now in in United States and maybe everywhere in 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 whole, whole world as uh, this is widely widely being everywhere in in the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, and, uh, it does take big events like that sometimes for people like okay, well, we're going to start. You know, we're developing this new in project. We need to have a discussion about ice. Like, is it going to be a problem? How much is it going to cost? If it does happen, should we insure against this, you know, with blade heating? Should we, you know, what are the solutions that are going to be right for us on the site? Yeah, I think that's going to be. And like you said, with the bigger turbines reaching higher into the sky, you know, making contact with clouds, all that stuff, it's going to become a bigger problem, not a smaller problem. And like you said, I I think that was an interesting point you brought Mm -hmm. that I hadn't thought of about just climate change in general, that using the past models of this is how often these kind of storms come through here it's you should probably assume that there's like you said they're going to be there's going to be more extreme highs and extreme lows 
where yeah maybe if it was every 10 mm -hmm. years now we maybe do should just think of every eight or every seven like you said because mm. you know like we know hurricane season is getting worse all right we know lots of things are changing yeah. and we really can't forecast it well but it probably airs to you know if you're have a big project like this and you don't want it to go bust is like hey let's just err on the side of caution and say every seven years we're going to have something like this so what do those numbers look like so yeah maybe that makes sense so i really appreciate your time today um is there any place you'd like to uh, obviously we'll always link in the description so whether you're watching here on youtube or listening in uh, itunes stitcher spotify wherever we'll we'll link to, to weiss tech so you can follow up with their company find them on uh the web linkedin etc um but let's say is there any um place you'd like to direct our listeners ways they can follow up with you um anything like that well uh of course uh, you can find more information from our uh, webpage, uh, wisetech.com. And uh, well, I welcome everyone to, to follow us on, on LinkedIn. And you may uh, send uh, a LinkedIn connection invite yeah. to me if you're uh, interested on, on uh, connecting through this and, uh, or asking some more questions. So, yeah, thanks again for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Uptime Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, share the show with a friend, and be sure to check out the description links, whether you're in on a podcast platform or you're watching on YouTube, where you can find links to follow up with Lasse on LinkedIn, follow up with the company Weiss Tech on their website, their YouTube channel, or LinkedIn as well, and follow up with WeatherGuard Lightning Tech, the sponsor of this show, uh, through the links in the show notes or the description. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next week on the Uptime Podcast. Is downtime causing you financial pain and putting a stop to your power production for months on end? It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help. Reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.